You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bloom in Tech, our semi-regular exploration of the collision of entertainment, technology, and media, and what that all means for those of us trying to make our way through. I'm your host, David Bloom. I have been on the sidelines a little bit the last couple of months. I apologize for not posting as often. Uh, After a big car crash, I've been spending a lot more time hanging out with doctors, both my own and my wife's, among other things. I don't recommend that to anybody, but at least they're there, and we're on the mend. So that's all good, and I hope to be able to be with you more often. This week, I have been thinking about writing about some real transformations going on in the streaming wars. We are at actually an interesting new stage. Two months ago, we had Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus make splashy debuts. Now they're moving into a new place that neither company has dealt with much. I call it the churn zone. Now it's time to see which streaming service can keep its initial momentum going for the long term. Both companies have rolled out all the episodes of their breakthrough launch titles. The Morning Show for Apple, The Mandalorian for Disney, and reap the rewards therein. The Morning Show got three Golden Globe nominations and three SAG Award nominations, though it did not win any of those Golden Globes. The Mandalorian, of course, is the source of endless Baby Yoda memes. If you don't know what I mean, you probably don't care about The Mandalorian, but you should care about what it means for Disney+. Plus. Both companies have also seen a hefty rise in their stock prices. Apple is now a $1.3 trillion company. Its stock hit an all-time high of $300 per share last week, and it's up about 50% from July, which is amazing because it was already a highly valued company. It's all been driven by optimism over the company's shift in focus to wearables, such as the AirPods, and to services, such as TV+. At the same time that was all going on, analysts for Bank of America and Rosenblatt Securities issued reports to start the new year saying Disney Plus subscriber signups appear well ahead of initial projections. That sent Disney stock up nearly 2.5% on the first day of trading in 2020, on top of a 31% rise throughout 2019. Now comes the hard part. Having seen all episodes of whatever made them sign up in the first place, some viewers will dive even deeper into each of those services' libraries and look through their less prominent offerings. If you're doing that, I recommend Apples for All Mankind or Dickinson, both of which are tied to some part of our history. In one case, Emily Dickinson's coming-of-age story uh, through the lens of, uh, I think, 21st century teenagers. For the other, an alternate history to the space program where the Soviets got to the moon first. Disney's Togo is one I would also recommend. I interviewed some of their creators, the director and the colorist, for another story, and Perhaps you might want to check out those Pixar movies you haven't seen in a decade. But other subscribers will dive out, having seen what they wanted to see. They'll cancel their subscriptions and go hunting for other places to spend those entertainment dollars. Some won't need to leave. They'll be getting Disney Plus or TV Plus for free for a year because of one deal or another with Verizon or because they bought a Mac or an iPhone. But they'll stop paying attention for weeks or months, which is never a good sign when it comes time to actually pay for the service when it runs out. And for those initial subscribers on a monthly deal, expect a chunk of them to do the streaming equivalent of the old Latin line. Instead of Vene Vidi Vici, it'll be Vene Vidi Bingi Beat It. 
We're moving into the churn zone, where people with month-to-month subscriptions decide whether to stick around when there's not much new they really want to watch. Netflix solves this problem by throwing more and more and more shows at you week after week. There's always something new. In January alone, Netflix will debut more than 50 new or returning movies and series. It's borrowing billions to pay for it all. But the new guys don't want to go down that financial sinkhole, at least not yet. For all of Disney's substantive library of big movies and Apple's deep, deep, deep pockets, neither has a lot of new shows arriving for subscribers anytime soon. How the companies manage the transition from launch to lull will make a big difference in their success over the next couple of years, particularly as other contenders like Comcast's Peacock and AT&T's HBO Max embark on their own splashy launches later this spring. Peacock, HBO Max, and billion-dollar mobile video startup Quibi will use high-profile events at this week's Consumer Electronics show to start splashing. Quibi, for instance, is on stage this morning as I'm recording this. Both Jeffrey Katzenberg, the founder, and Meg Whitman, the CEO, up there telling you why you should go mobile, short-form, and episodic to see the future of online video. So that probably means Disney and Apple need to stuff more stuff in the pipeline. As B of A analysts wrote about Disney+, Plus, while anecdotal evidence of elevated library consumption of the service is encouraging, both for Disney and the syndication market at large, we continue to believe more original content will be needed to drive subscriber acquisition and retention efforts, unquote. As it is, fans of The Mandalorian won't get any other new Star Wars shows beyond another season of the animated series The Clone Wars until late in the year. It might even be worse on the movie side. Disney manipulated its film release plans to stuff as many tentpoles as possible into 2019, so they'll be front-loaded into Disney Plus in 2020. That led to a record $13 billion in box office last year for the studio. It dominated the entire business of Hollywood movies. And some goodies for Disney Plus in the first half of the year. But it'll be slim pickings thereafter, the Hollywood Reporter warned in a story this week. So it's no surprise that online stories already are popping up with topics like, now that you're done watching The Mandalorian, consider switching to DC Universe for a while. And of course, DC Universe is the arch rival of Marvel, so it's rather amusing to see this pop up. But it is the kind of thing and thinking, I think, that will be pretty common. Already you can see Disney and Apple making adjustments in this new phase. They're doing exactly what I would say uh, CBS All Access had to do after its initial launch, which came with an original new series of Star Trek stuff. Lots of fans signed up to watch Star Trek Discovery, binged out, watched them all, and then canceled. And maybe before they even started paying, they canceled. And in response, CBS All Access set up four new Star Trek-related series. Basically, they're going to be Star Trek mm, 10 months of the year, they've said. So that's uh, one of the ways that they try to deal with that particular kind of hardcore fan base to get them coming back and back and back. I'm sure you'll see more and more Star Wars stuff. It will be endless for that particular tranche of Disney Plus fans. For Marvel fans, Disney Plus said it's moving up from spring 2021 to sometime this year, WandaVision, a series built on the characters um, behind Elizabeth Olsen's Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch, and Paul Bettany's Vision. The company also rolled out a splashy video on New Year's Day showing what's coming to Disney Plus in 2020. The 61-second video features about 25 projects, including The Mandalorian Season 2, the rebooted Lizzie McGuire, Marvel's The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, 
several family-oriented series and animated shorts, and previously released features such as 2019's The Lion King and Toy Story 4, a good bet to win this year's Best Animated Feature Oscar. That sounds good until you remember that those 25 projects still represent about half what Netflix is debuting this month. On top of that, news just surfaced that a small number of Disney Plus shows, including the two Home Alone movies, are no longer available just two months after the, ser- the service launched. Existing rights deals mean more such to and fro of library titles over the next few years, something Netflix fans have long dealt with. The library rotation experience appears more fraught for delicate Disney aficionados. As BGR.com put it, quote, fans are freaking out, unquote. They better get over it. The next few years are going to be a continuous, confusing shuffle of shows across competing platforms, with all of us desperately trying to figure out which new thing we should check out and where, and whether we should dive off Service A and onto Service B for a month or two to watch it. Soon enough, those services will get bundled, as Disney Plus already is doing with Hulu and ESPN+. That approach will give us access to all kinds of programming we'd probably enjoy, but not necessarily the exact show we thought we'd watch. How happy that makes restless cord cutters turned online streamers will be a key issue for all of the services once they get launched. We'll have to make some new compromises. We won't get everything, always, at least not without a lot of subscriptions, and it may not be cheaper than what cable providers serve up already. But we'll have much more to watch whenever we want to watch it until we decide to watch something else somewhere else. It'll be great for us, mostly. But it's going to be hell for the new services trying to catch and keep a subscriber base to pay for all their programming. Welcome to the Churn Zone. That's my show. Uh, thanks for listening. And again, I apologize for not being as uh, frequent a poster in the last uh, little while, but I'm so happy to be back, and I promise that I will be weighing in more frequently here. I expect to be um, having plenty to talk about in the next little while. You take care. Have a happy new year and a happy new decade. I hope that it is a productive, safe, loving one for you and all you care about. In the meantime... If you like what you hear here, please rate, review, subscribe, share. Get it out there in the uh, magic meme machines and the algorithm uh, beasts so that uh, it can be found by others. If you have a comment you'd like to share with me, the place that syndicates my show, anchor.fm, makes it easy to leave an audio comment. Please go there and find the show and uh, leave leave a comment. You can also, if you really like my show, become a a supporter of it and chip in a few bucks to keep the wheels rolling. And that would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, you can follow me on LinkedIn at David L. Bloom, at Twitter at David Bloom, and out in the world on Forbes, TV Rev, and TubeFilter, where I write regularly. I hope you're well, and I'll talk to you soon. This is David Bloom for Bloom in Tech, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.